She's back. My sister, my sister, Elise Bryant, president of the Coalition of Labor Union Women, executive director of the Labor Heritage Foundation, and maybe most important, I'm going to say, director of the DC Labor Chorus. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, How and, are you doing, my sister? How are you feeling? Well, I, I'm inspired by Liz. Those her, her final words to our song. It's, cause we'll never give up and we'll never give in and we'll never, ever go away. Never, ever. We will build a mighty future for our daughters and our sons and the work of our workers rise as one. That's Where's my little heart emoticon? Where's my heart emoticon? <laughs> We love where, you, Elise. Thank you. Thank you. Where's Dave? He missed that. I know, right? He missed it. It's, oh, right. So seriously, how you feeling, sister? How you feeling? I don't know because I haven't watched the news. I've been I on know. The I know. I have no idea. all day long calling Pennsylvania. And then they had the nervous 730 say, we're going to start calling Arizona now. It's like, oh, hell. <laughs> I'll call Arizona. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm like, hello? I voted. Get off the phone. Hi. No, she doesn't live here. Get off the phone. <laughs> you have your lines that you will not cross. Pennsylvania, yes. Arizona, hails no. Uh, yeah. But I did send it to two friends who live in Arizona. I sent them the link. So where in Pennsylvania were you calling? Everywhere. Everywhere. We're calling around the state. We're doing Philadelphia. It was, you know, it was really literally all over the state. I, think, I, think. I remember one year. I can't remember what year it was. Uh, I was, I was up in the Reading, Pennsylvania area. And the thing I remember was it was like two miles between every damn house. I mean, there was no door. I don't know what this door to door shit was because it was <laughs> drive up for, for, and this was before, this must've been a while ago because we didn't have no damn GPS. All right, we had maps. This is, you young guys don't know what I'm talking about, but these we had like actual, like, and not, and not the good maps either, like the maps from the, the maps from the AFL-CIO, okay? So the maps that like- Oh, are you gonna get the AAA maps? No, 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 I'm talking about those maps where you only had like the house and the streets right around it. So if you were off of that map, you were in deep doo-doo, okay? Yeah, it was, so you really needed some serious skills to be able to find these things. So you were lucky if you talked to like five people a night. So anyway, so how did the calls go? You know, I mean, you've done this, right? Everybody else, anybody else have done phone banking? Yeah, 500, 100 calls talk to five people. Yeah. People don't want to talk to you at all. And the other three are like, oh, yeah, I voted already. This is the third call today. Yeah, okay. Uh, Her Harold, I know you got to jump. You got anything for Sister Elise before you jump? Well, actually, yeah, Elise. Um, something yeah. that we discovered here in Washington State the other Washington <laughs> is, I um, I keep saying he's really <laughs> the better looking Washington, actually. That's, that's what we're saying. No it's argument. greener. It's, it's nicer. Um, because there have been so many robocalls recently, um, a lot of phone banking operations have had less success this year than in previous years. People don't want to pick up when they see a number that's unfamiliar to them, but they've been much more successful with texting. Did you guys do text banks as well as phone banks? I, I think that uh, Afnan uh, Adam, who was on the staff of the Coalition of Union Women, told me that yesterday they did 5,000. She did 5,000 calls. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Wow. It's, quick. it's really quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, uh, so I, I've, I've not done this. So how does this work? They have this app called Hustle. Okay. And it's like the, it's like the, it's like the, the, you know, the automatic phone dialing. It just goes okay. to the next one and to the next one and to the next one, you know, and you, and you, you hit the button that sends the message, bam, it's gone. They can respond yes or no or whatever. And then there's automatic response. If you hit, it sends it to them. I mean, you're literally done in like seconds. Oh, Jeremy, you want in? You got something on this? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Paul Pimentel, who was on earlier, he set this yeah, up yeah. through the international. We did this. Uh, we did uh, last night. We did ten thousand texts in like twenty minutes. My head is blowing up here. I, these so, numbers are crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. Well, in, in like Elise was saying, the the calls you're going to go through, you know, a hundred calls before you get one person, but people will respond to a text. We, even if like no matter what the the whether they're going to be nice or whatever, um, they're going to respond to it. So. And, no, I know this is because like my son, he will not answer if I call. He loves me. I love him. But you know, you don't know. Who, but, but if I text him, he will hit me right back. He, and, yeah. and so, yeah, that, that's a really good, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah a lot of people that they, even if, even if it's a number they don't recognize, like if you see that, like I do it too, if it's on my phone and I don't recognize the number, I'm probably not answering it, nope. but a text, I'll at least read it. <laughs> and just so I can get that flag off of my phone, you know what I mean? A little icon that tells me I have a message and, uh, and they respond and, and you'll, uh, you can, you can have a conversation with, with, uh, uh, you can cut, well, kind of guide it because it's, it's, there's preset responses depending on how they come back at you, you know? So you say like, you know, this is Jeremy, I'm a sheet metal worker. Uh, just wondering if you have a plan to vote. And they'll, and they'll say yes or no. And depending on what they say, you click that and it'll give you your next response. It's all kind of canned and you can go off script if you want, but the idea is to gain uh, the information so that it can be recorded for the future too. You know, like if I know, if I message a person, I'm like, are you going to vote? Yes. Have you voted already? Yes. Um, did you well, so support? Recorded. Well, well, the information, the responses will be. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so like when, if they, if I say, um, did you, um, did you support our recommended ticket of Biden Harris? And they say no, then we know what, regardless of how they're registered, we know probably how they voted, and we can kind of gauge things for for future reference. But it's 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 pretty easy, man. And and the and the text response is like when I did it, um, I was respond. I was checking every every day. I was going back in to see if I got any more responses on this on the, in the system so that I could answer them back and stuff. And I mean, one, one or two of the people that I, I was going back and forth for about a week until I got to like a, a resolute point, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's, it's super convenient and fast and uh, you know, it's the future. Well, it's yeah, the now. But. Cool. I'm real excited about this. Uh, I want to go to Alan, but Harold, I know you're going to jump. Anything else to share before? And I know you've got a couple of guests um, uh, coming up uh, a little bit later on, uh, but anything that you wanted to share before you jump? Uh, yeah, um, just everybody stay calm. <laughs> Reed. What, Reed. what Reed. I've seen from uh, the election reports so far is that Donald Trump is not gaining ground in places that he that he won that he didn't win in 2016 and biden is apparently doing well in places 
that he was forecasted to do well. There are plenty of places like Pennsylvania, like apparently Atlanta, where the votes are not going to be counted all told tonight. It's going to be a multi-day thing. So as we're all glued to our phone, as we're looking at that big map with blue and red states and that sort of thing, just remember, it's probably not going to be over tonight. Take a breath. Don't do yourself in drinking too much tonight. And uh, you're working on this. Is, that, is that that same glass from the beginning? You're, I mean, you're as, you're as, light, as lightweight as I am, dude. I, mean, <laughs> I, I may have poured another one. Oh, okay. All right. But, but take a breath and don't be glued to your phone. Um, also, my co-host Shannon on Working to Live in Southwest Washington should be coming onto the stream here in a little bit. So the Northwest will be represented. Good handoff, Harold. Great to see you. Hang in there, brother. Thank you, everybody. Solidarity forever. See you tomorrow, Harold. I believe uh, Jacob has a question for Sister Elise, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I, um, Can you introduce I, yourself, Jacob? Because she, uh, I don't think she knows you. Sure, sure. So my name is Jacob Morrison. I am a co-host of the Valley Labor Report uh, here in uh, North Alabama, also Secretary Treasurer of the North Alabama Area Labor Council and a member of AFGE Local 1858. Uh, so my, my question was, I, uh, I, I've, I've, we've just started doing interviews for a show on Bolivia here uh we had the first interview uh right before we jumped on this call and uh the interview this this particular interview was with with angus mcnelly about the relationship of labor and social movements to uh the mass government down in bolivia and something that he pointed out was the fact that the labor movement was so kind of integrated into all of the social movements, the indigenous people's movements, the uh, peasants, uh, peasant unions, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, when we asked him what kind of takeaways would you have, what would you give like labor, the labor movement in America, he would say, well, you know, he said, integrate yourselves with your social movements like Black Lives Matter, like, um, you know, indigenous people's movements here in America and, and, and things like that. But he said, especially Black Lives Matter, because that seems to have the most kind of potential at the moment. Um, and so I was wondering if, uh, uh, you know, what your thoughts on, were on, you know, I noticed that you've, you've got a shirt or, or a blanket back there, Black Lives Matter on it. And I was wondering what your thoughts are on um, labor's record so far on integrating black the black lives matter movement into our movement and integrating us into the black lives matter movement and then secondly your advice or or your thoughts about doing better moving forward um and 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 so that that's kind of what i was interested in talking about because regardless of who wins tonight 
like we're going to need to be out in the streets. Like Biden's not going to, you know, usher in a worker's paradise, right? You know, <laughs> we're going to. You just burst Elise's bubble. She was totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we've all, you know, uh, everybody here has been in the labor movement longer than I have. And, 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 you know, I think that we're all kind of clear eyed on what the Biden administration is. And he's a, he's a better enemy right? He's a better person to fight than, than Trump. And, and so, you know, in a Biden administration, hopefully, you know, knock on all available wood, we're going to have to fight him on a bunch of things. And, and the, you know, so we need to be like preparing for that. And, and the way to prepare for that, I, I think is, is kind of, you know, allying ourselves with, with strong social movements. And so uh, I was interested in, in the group's thoughts on that, but uh, spe specifically Sister Elise. You know, it's, um, it is actually really remarkable that the AFL building, you know, a quarter of the, uh, the corner of the building is covered in the Black Lives Matter banner. And, and, if you, and if you said 20 years ago to me, or even like a year ago, that the AFL-CIO would have a banner that says Black Lives Matter on it, I would say, and the laborers, the laborers. Thank you. Right across the street have it all over their building. And it's, it's remarkable, it is, because that's, that's a big, big, big step for them. The thing is that it's all show. And once it comes down, yep. what's gonna be the action called for? What's gonna be the commitment? And that's where things get, get, get shaky. Um, one of the things I, you know, I mean, yes, Black Lives Matter. From the moment I heard it, I was into it. And when people would say to me, but don't all lives matter? And I go, yes, of course all lives matter. But you know, all diseases matter too. But somehow they have cancer hospitals. They call them cancer hospitals. I don't know. Maybe it's because cancer is so virulent, a disease that they had to have their own specialty hospital, not to mention making money. But so yeah, black lives matter because you're not, you, none of you have to sit in the car and worry about whether you're going to have your brains blown out with your family sitting in the back seat. You're not going to be stopped for no reason whatsoever for just being on the street. And I, you know, we won't, we won't. so I knew that that, I, I, so I, uh, I immediately aligned with it and supported it. I've talked to leaders in the, in the AFL-CIO, particularly leaders of color to say, let's get on it. And when I am in the AFL-CIO executive council meetings, you can count the leaders of national and international unions on one hand who will speak to the issue. And so I, I think that, and this, this is, I said this before, but this is my belief is that it all, it comes up from the, from the roots. It has to come from the grassroots to make the change. The people at the top simply cannot do it because they're already bought into the structure of it. But I think we need to train and develop and identify more and more folks who have progressive ideas to run for office. Not just leave it to the people who want to be somebody, but for the people who want to do something to the opportunity. And, and, and I believe that in the labor movement, I believe that if we're going to stay with the Democratic Party, in the Democratic Party, that we can't keep allowing the same ones to keep running things over and over again. I, I think a, a particularly uh, divisive piece that's come up recently with the George Floyd and, the, and that, that movement and Black Lives Matter in front of the, the White House was the whole de defunding the police department. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the moment I heard the word defund police, I thought to myself, there are going to be people who are just going to go absolutely no, 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 
No, no, no, no. We need police. We need protection. Yeah, yeah. Now we know. I know. You know that they, you know, they develop the police as another police force, armed force to keep the working class in line. They have the working class killing the working class. You know, policing the working class. So they don't put their mad their hands with it. But I think that I, I, the whole concept of defund. And I thought if we just said reallocate, because that's really what it's about, right? It's really about reallocating funds into the schools, into programs, into, you know, having social workers do the kind of work that cops are sometimes called to do. That makes sense. And a lot more people can buy into that. And I think a lot more people in the labor movement can buy into reallocating the funds as opposed to defunding the police. Thank you for that. I think another messaging that has, is extremely popular is stop police violence. Um, and I think targeting the police in, in one way is, I, okay, the police have a, a billion dollar budget that they're talking about reallocating in New York City. So people are like squabbling for crumbs when you have Wall Street that's able to create trillions of dollars of wealth and no one's talking about Wall Street the entire time to actually rebuild and, and get tax Wall Street. Wall Street pays no sales tax. We pay sales tax when we go to the grocery store and things like that. So my set demands personally are, you know, get the money from Wall Street, get the Federal Reserve, rebuild the infrastructure and create a national jobs program that can create 40 million jobs. And, and I think you can then beat back this fascist wave. And as Frederick Douglass said, you know, power concedes nothing without a demand. And oftentimes I see people in Portland throwing stuff at a federal building and they've these anarchists have taken over the Black Lives Movement. There's very few African-Americans in the group anymore. And it was a pretense to get um, federal troops into Portland, which almost seems like there's agent provocateurs that are supporting Trump. And one other point is that any riots that happen in the coming days, those are Trump riots. Those are Trump riots. Those are going to benefit Trump. Those are going to help Trump bring in federal troops. So. Obviously, I'm pontificating. I'm on my soapbox, but I want to ask you specifically. Is that a role? What What are some of your main demands going into a Biden administration? Obviously, if Trump wins, we're on defense, and it's a it's a horror show, and it's going to be scary America more than anyone has ever known. But with Biden coming in, what what are some of your top demands uh, that we can rally around? I, I think that, you know, first and foremost is, is, is organizing, uh, of really organizing the unorganized. This whole right to work bullshit that has been perpetrated since 1947, right, when they passed the Taft-Hartley Act and said, oh, no. And, you know, coincidentally, it happened to be mostly in the formerly slave states. Oh, my God, how did that happen? You know, it's like, it's just nonsense. And the fact that there are so many people, well, people because of the pandemic, I mean, they're trying to organize at Amazon. They're trying to organize at Google. They're, we, as the Newspaper Guild, are, are getting all kinds of requests from nonprofits. The Southern Poverty Law Center, Southern Poverty Law Center called us and said, we wanna, we wanna use us. And the Southern Poverty Law Center hired the worst union busting law firm in the world to help break the union. This is like the Southern Poverty Laws. Okay, I'm sorry, let me come back down here. No, 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 you, no, no. Call, call it, call it, call it. And sure. I think NAACP also had some. Yeah. And the ACLU, thank you very much. Right. Lambda Legal did. They organized and now they're in the guild. 
And, and I, I'm not sure that that's the best place, but it's better than being no union at all. But I think it says something that these nonprofit organizations who are doing good, you know, on our side and progressive need to figure out how to, how to deal with workers fairly and, and, and correctly and with equality. So that organizing piece is it. And of course, you know, I'm just, I just think education, education. If I could take everything out of every budget that's just spent on bullshit and said, that's starting from, you know, pre-kindergarten through right through, um, I would do it. And of course I would make it all free. I mean, I think, you know, education college should be free. Just me. Uh, I don't think that, I, I would push for it. I would push for it though. Because the thing is, is that if we don't ask, if we don't demand what we really want, they're not going to move at all. I mean, they're still pandering and catering to the same people on Wall Street that control, Republicans control the Democrats. We know that. I mean, they're, they're you know, the same people give money, the same billionaires who give money to each side. Donald Trump used to give money to the Democratic Party. I mean, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, we have, to, we have to make sure that uh, we get the allocation of funds to the things that are really, really crucial and important. Now, I'd work for that. Alan? Um, yeah, uh, Elise, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your presence. Um, I'm Alan Weirdak. I actually am a colleague of Ben Blake over in the Media Archive. Oh, yeah. um, my question for you is, uh, going back to what you were talking about with the police, um, I definitely agree with having Black Lives Matter put up outside the AFL-CIO building. I was surprised as well, but the first thing I thought of was Malcolm X, and it's a symbolic victory. So my question to you is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it pretty basic. Do police belong in the labor movement? Um, as, as an institution that has a history of oppression, especially, race, especially racial oppression, mm -hmm. do police belong in the labor movement? Um, and if not, uh, what do we do about it? Yeah, I, I had this conversation with Chris Garlock and Saul Schneiderman and a taxi cab. Well, who was my, was I driving? How I wish Saul was here right now. Who was driving? The police? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I believe that everyone has a right to a union. And, but I, I know that the police have not been behaving like a union. Uh, and they've been behaving like a club. And, and so I'm, I'm, I thought about like, what, what is the intervention here? Because I know why they, I mean, they didn't get, the Bobbies weren't allowed to have guns because the British who have a more greater sense of class and classism than we do in the United States, understood it was the working class killing off the working class. They said, well, the Bobbies won't have guns. Bobbies can be as nasty and brutal as regular cops in the United States, but they just don't have guns. Um, but also <laughs> a friend of mine who- kill you. Yeah, right. A friend of mine who, who worked in the police department, who was, who was a police officer, said to me that um, she believes that they're, they are allowing this to go on without abating it because every lawsuit comes out of the city budget, not out of the police budget. So that, that her, her theory was what they're going to do is they're going to bankrupt the cities so they can privatize the police. So they become a private force, armed force in our communities. Now, I don't know, I, I, you know, when she told me that 10 years ago, I was like, well, that seems like pretty out there. But now I'm saying, no, no, what's it going to be? So, so, yeah, can we get rid of the guns? Uh, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing about having a standing army was, was the right to bear arms was so there wouldn't be a standing army. 
because the king would use the army against the people, right? So they said, oh, no, 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 no. Now the hand standing armies because they'll use it against us. But you have the right to bear arms in case we have to defend ourselves. But we got how many standing armies do we have? <laughs> I mean, in DC alone, there's like three or four, aren't there? There's like more the, than that. the more police than that. and the, 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 the city police and the, some other police and the, the like people. 20, there, there are 24, because I used to have to get permits, right? There's like, I think uh -huh. 20, 26 different, I don't know that they're all armed, uh, at least I remember one time we were doing a demonstration at a, at an embassy and this guy in like shorts and a little white shirt showed up and, and wanted to know who was getting arrested today. He was from like the embassy police and he didn't have yeah, no yeah. gun. Yeah, sure. But, sure. uh, yeah, there's a lot of different agencies. So I think we have to do, I think we need to do, I feel like I need to do more work and study on this so that we don't end up in some other, something worse than publicly funded and least, at least accountable to the people, even though they're not, we haven't had that as strong. And that I would push for, you know, community oversight of the police, yes. But that's just, that's just part of it. I mean, there's, there's a much larger picture here that we have to deal with. And, and I, did, I need to definitely do some studying on it. The, the last piece I want to ask you, uh, Elise, is putting on your Coalition of Labor Union uh, women hat. Uh, and I mean, Gene keeps changing hats. I can't keep track. I think he's on number <laughs> four. Uh, seriously, I mean, he literally is a man of many hats. But In Texas. Uh, in Texas. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sort of the same thing that you were talking about in terms of Black Lives Matter, but I want to move that focus over uh, because we've been talking about women in the labor movement for years and years. And I'm, I'm wondering about, you know, are we making progress? What's, what's your, you know, you've, you've been in the president for a couple of years now. Uh, I know, let me, let me not say, let me, let me get your hot take on it. Well, I, I learned this um, some time ago. And, it, and it, you know, it's really this kind of, I, I really, you know, being black and being a woman is like, my <laughs> both. I, I, had no I, I have to deal with the racism, I have to deal with the sexism. But, um, but I, I think that I have seen more, I've seen more African-American men be able to advance than African-American women or white women. Hmm. Except if white women are married to somebody who's, who's upper in the echelons of the union, hmm. that, that's a different, whole different take. Um, but a lot of times we, are in the, we end up in appointed positions and not, not elected positions. If you're appointed, you can be on the international snap making all kinds of money, but you can be disappointed, right? And now you look at the unions and everybody's got the, the treasurer or the secretary treasurer is a woman. In the AFL-CIO, it's like, okay, all the women step up to secretary treasurer. Like why? Like we're better at money or something? What is, why? Well, you can't be president, you can't be vice president. And that still exists. And I don't think it's enough because what we found out is that you can get in the position, you get on staff at the International Union, and you start acting like the guys because that's the culture you're working in. And then you tell you change the culture, people, black people, brown people, Asian people, Native American people, women, black, you know, LGBTQ, you go in that structure and you'll start acting just like them. And so we have to change the culture to reflect what it is we say we believe in is that it's all, it's, it's for the good of the whole, you know, that, that it's you and I on, it's us collectively that makes us strong instead of being reflection, reflecting the hierarchical, you know, culture that is around us. So that we act like the business people that are out there that we're, that we're fighting and arguing with at the, at the table. And I think that that's, that's been a problem in the labor movement for a really long time. 
of not reflecting what we believe in. We're supposed to be a, we're supposed to be a bottom up, you know, reverse pyramid. And, you know, the president of everybody union, everybody knows who the president is. You ask them about the ad member, nobody knows. And the members don't believe it. And the members don't engage in that way because they feel like, you know, I mean, I'll be at a conference and say to somebody, uh, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Lise Bryant. What, what union with? Uh, I work at the warehouse. No, what union do you, and it, all the time. Because they don't even know what, they, what union they belong to. And so I think that, that that piece of it is work that has to be done in order for us to become the democratic, you know, bottom up, um, bottom up, bottom down, whatever, uh, ideal that, we, that we're formed to believe. And I really do believe it's true that we are stronger collectively than any one of us individually. Um, and, but the one thing I guess is an observation that I've seen is, is that, and, and this is, it's a generational thing, but I've especially noticed it with some of the, the younger, you know, sisters in the, in the movement is that mm -hmm. they do not seem inclined to put up with some of that stuff that you were just talking about. In but, terms of, um, and when, 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 uh, some of this sexist stuff comes along, you know, they're, they're like, well, why, why do I have to be secretary treasurer? You know, why can't yeah. I? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So introduce me to them because they're not in Clue. Interesting, okay. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe that's part of it too then, right? Is, is the, you know, in terms of getting folks to be more uh, out there. Um, and so I, I wonder, you know, if that's, if that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. And, 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 you know, the thing is too, Chris, you know, when you're in that, when you're in that room with them, mm -hmm. I've heard this from some women who were in those positions, is that you are literally alone mm -hmm. and without an ally. Mm -hmm. And so they say things that things are said at the table that are humiliating. And if you walk out, then they say you're weak and you won't get back in. So it's almost like a haze. Yep. Yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay, well, it sounds, it sounds to me like we're going to have to uh, to do some more shows on this subject. We got a lot more to talk about, don't we? A lot of work, a lot of work. Yes, a lot of work. That's cool.